Bismillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd qala rabbi shahli sadri wa yasirli amri wa hlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli Allahumma zidna ilma All praise and thanks is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Peace and salutations upon Muhammad ibn Abdullah salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi Peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends and upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of time. Alhamdulillah, uh, alhamdulillah, we started our new Risala last week, Nawaqidul Islam, the nullifiers of Islam. And last week was one of the most important lessons of the book, as we did about two or three introductions, two or three important points with regards to the book. So inshallah bi'idhnillahi ta'ala tonight we actually start in the text. And like I mentioned uh, last week the text is not a very long text. Not a long Right? But like I mentioned and I said the text is a very short text. However the meaning of this text is very great. And what lessons we're going to derive from this book bi'idhnillahi ta'ala it's going to be lifelong lessons and it will benefit us throughout our lives inshallah bi'idhnillahi ta'ala so the author he starts and he says bismillahir rahmanir rahim in the name of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most beneficent the most merciful bada shaykh kitabuhu bi basmala so the sharih the explanation of the text actually Sulaiman al-Ruhayli hafizallahu ta'ala Walhamdulillah I had the opportunity of attending quite a few of his classes which took place in Masjidun Nabawi Walillahi alhamd And so Sheikh he says that the author he begins his book with a basmala Iqtida'an bil-Qur'an al-Karim Following the example of the book of Allah subhanahu وَتَعَالَى حَيْثُ أَنَّهُ مَبْدُوءٌ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ بِإِجْمَاعِ الْعُلَمَاءِ So why is he saying that he's following the example of the Qur'an? Because there's consensus of the ulama that the first verse of the Qur'an is بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ So with the text, the Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdullah Rahimallah ta'ala he himself Following the Quran, he starts off his risala with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. And yes, a point I would like to share that Sheikh Sulaiman brings, and it's a latarif, it's something of benefit. He says that when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to ask his scribes to write letters, they would start with. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, and then they would write the letter. And also we see this exactly from Nabi Sulaiman when he wrote to Bilqis, Innahu min Sulaiman wa Innahu Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. That indeed it is from Sulaiman in the name of Allah, the most beneficent, the most merciful. That's the first point. The second point is when you speak. Then your introduction will be what? Alhamdulillah. 
the hum. Right? And you, you pick this up in Jumas, you picked it up in classes, that when the shaykh or the da'i, when he starts off, his speech, he starts off with, Inna alhamdulillah. All praise and thanks is due to Allah. So in writing, we start with a basmalah. In speech, we start with a hamdalah. Right? So that is two benefits that the shaykh brings. So qala musannif rahimahullah ta'ala, Right, the author he says, "Ilam anna min a'adam nawaqid al-Islam ashara." He says, "And know, Ilam, take note, anna min a'adam of the greatest nullifiers of one's Islam is ashara, is ten nullifiers." We can explain this. The first point I would like to look at is I'lam. I'lam can come in two meanings. The first meaning that أَنَّمَا رَوَاهُ يَجِبْ تُعَلِّمُهُ وَأَن تُعَلِّمُهُ فَرْعِينَ عَلَى كُلِّ مُكَنَّ So what does this word I'lam mean? It can have two possible meanings. Number one, that it is compulsive. Whatever comes after this, it is compulsory on every believing male and female that is mukallaf, that they need to know and they need to study this. That's the first point, or the first meaning of it. The second meaning is that what is going to come? Al-Azimatu Jidda. That it is extremely, extremely important. What's going to come next? And where do we get this from? Shaykh Sulaiman, he says, فَعْلَمْ As Allah says in the Quran, in Surah Muhammad, 26 Jews, verse number 19, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لِذَمِّكَ فَعْلَمْ And know, أَنَّهُ That indeed he, referring to Allah Azza wa Jal, La ilaha illallah None has the right to be worshipped except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wastawfir lidhambi and seek forgiveness for your sins. So again, just the two points to recap to make us understand it easier. I'lam either comes in the meaning of that whatever you're going to read in this text, it is compulsory on every believing male and female that is mukallaf. Or it could mean whatever is going to come after this i'lam, know that it is extremely, extremely important. So either way, however you look at this word i'lam, know that this text is very important. And then the shaykh says, i'lam anna nawaqidul islam ashar. Now here, he says that the nullifiers of Islam is 10. However, this 10 that he is mentioning is not all the nullifiers of Islam. There's much more. But these 10 that he's going to mention is of the most core nullifiers of Islam. These are the most common nullifiers of Islam. And we will see. The first one Right, the author he says, Al-Awwal, Ashirku fi ibadatillahi ta'ala, 
والدليل قوله تعالى إن الله لا يوفر أن يشرك به ويوفر ما دون ذلك لمن يشاء سورة النساء verse number 48 as you will know this two of them right? these two places where Allah mentions in Surah Al-Nisa he says إن الله لا يوفر أن يشرك به ويوفر ما دون ذلك وَمِنْهُ أَذَّبْحُ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ And from it, أَذَّبْحُ ذَبْحُ means to slaughter. To slaughter for other than Allah سبحانه وتعالى. كَمَا يَذْبَحُ لِلْجِنِ أَوْ لِلْقَبْرِ Like slaughtering for the jinn or slaughtering for the qabr. And we're going to explain this. So the first Naqi. The first nullifier is Shirk Billahi Ta'ala. Ascribing a partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wahuwa mujma ala kawni naqidun lil Islam in kana shirkan akbar lianna shirk naw'an. So he says that there is a consensus amongst the ulama that shirk is a nullifier of one's Islam. And then he says that shirk is divided into two categories. Shirk al-Akbar and Shirk al-Asghar. The major shirk and the minor shirk. Wa shirk al-Akbar and Shirk al-Akbar fassara al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the Prophet peace be upon him he explained to us, he made tafsir. Right? You hear tafsir, what do you think of? Tafsir of the Quran, correct? What about it? What is tafsir doing of the Quran? It is explaining the following verse that you're going to look at. So here, the Prophet wasallam, he explains to us. And we're going to see a hadith. Fan Abdullah, radiyallahu anhu qala, sa'alatun nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, aydham, أعظم عند الله تعالى What is the greatest sin in the eyes of by Allah سبحانه وتعالى فقال صلى الله عليه وسلم And the Prophet peace be upon him He said أن تجعل الله ندا وهو to make with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala niddan, another God. And He is the one that created you. Now imagine this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He created us. He has the right to be worshipped, as we will see a bit later. But what does mankind do? They create another ilah, they create another God. So this is Shirkun Akbar. And I want to look at a bit in more detail about Shirk. So first of all, one of the most important obligations is to know the meaning of Shirk. We need to know its seriousness. And we need to know its different types. So when we grew up as kids, right? in going to madrasa, etc. What were we taught? 
Tauhid is to worship one Allah. And what is it? To say that is to ilas. Correct? That's what we were taught as kids. But as we grew older, we studied the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon this manhaj of the pious predecessors. We saw that shirk is not just what we were taught. There's much more to shirk than just saying there's two Allah. Understood? So, the word shirk in Arabic, it means taking a partner. Right? Ashraka baina huma. He joined two of them together. That's why if you look at Kitabu Buyu, you look at the chapter of business, one of the business deals that you can do is musharaka. What is the root letters of this word musharaka? Sharaka, which means to bring two partners in a deal. Understood? So what does shirk mean in terms of the sharia? Right? So in the Arabic language, we know that you always have the linguistic meaning. And then you will have the shar'an meaning. Let's look at a simple example. Salah. When you am to say here now, salah, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Sorry? Pray. Right? Bada'abi tagbiratul ihram. Right? It starts with Tagbiratul Ihram and it ends with Taslim and it has certain rules. But what does the word Salah mean in the dictionary? If you were to open an Arabic dictionary and you see the word Salah, classical text, they tell you that Salah is Dua. That's what it means according to the dictionary. But Shar'an, it has a total different meaning. Begins with the Tagbirat al-Ihram and it ends with the Taslim and Allah knows best. In terms of the Sharia, Shirk means ascribing a partner or a rival to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his rububiyyah. Right? His lordship, yani his rububiyyah. In his uluhiyyah, his worship or his asma wa sifat. This definition in itself goes against what we were taught. We were just taught that what is she? To have two Allahs. They never told us that you get shirk in Ibadah as well. They never told us you get shirk in Isrububiyah. That was the only thing that they told us. That's it in Allah. So Allah is the Rabb. We all know that. They can't be two ilas. They can't be two Allahs. But they didn't tell us that you can get shirk in slaughtering. You can get shirk in dua. And they also never taught us that you get shirk in the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a rival is a peer or counterpart. Hence Allah forbids setting up rivals with him and he condemns those who take them, yani rivals, as gods of or besides Allah in many verses of the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in Surah Al-Baqarah, And do not set up any rivals with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
whilst you know that ye Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the right to be worshipped. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Okay, right? We finish that verse. Let's look at the hadith. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that whomsoever dies claiming that Allah has a rival, he will enter the fire of Jahannam. Understood? So let us look at the types of shirk. This is important. The text of the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet indicates that shirk and the ascribing of rivals to Allah sometimes puts a person beyond the fold of Islam and sometimes does not. Hence, the scholars divided shirk into two shirkul akbar and shirkul asghar. So let us look at shirkul akbar, the major shirk. This means ascribing to someone other than Allah something which belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, such as his rububiyyah, such as his uluhiyyah, and such as his asma wa sifat. And this kind of shirk may sometimes be outward, such as the shirk of those who worship idols and graves, or they worship the dead, or the person that is absent. So worshiping idols, that's clear. Worshiping graves is clear. Worshiping the dead is also clear. But what does he mean by absent? What he means by absent is calling, and this we'll study in more detail in next week's one, number two. But istighatha. Say, Madad ya Ghawth, Abdul Qadir Jilani, wa na'udhu billah, or Madad ya Rasulallah, or Madad Fulan or Fulan. They're not here. They're not Qadir. They're not Haldir. They're not present. They don't have the ability to help you, but you call them. And you say, Madad, oh, help me. This is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you call out, you call unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Or sometimes this might be hidden as well, but it still falls under major shirk. For even, right, let's look for example. For even though the hypocrites, shirk puts them beyond the fold of Islam and means that they will abide in hell forever, it is a hidden shirk. Right? The munafiqun in the time of the Prophet did they make salah with him? They did. Did some of them go to battle with him? They did. But in their hearts, what, what did they say? They never followed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They never believed in Allah. They never believed in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Shirk yarid might take different forms of beliefs. For example, such as the belief that there is someone who creates and gives life and death. Or he reigns and he controls the affairs of the universe along with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can this be true, yes or no? What do you think? You find people like this? You do. An example. If one looks at the Ithna Ashariya, the Rafidiya, they claim to be Muslim, correct? But in the books, if you open the books and you see what they say, they believe that the Imams, the 12 Imams, that's why they call Ithna Ashariya, 
They believe that the imams, they have the ability to control what's happening on the earth. Some of the deviant, extreme Sufi sects, for example, the Barilis. Right? That hail from Barili in India. That's where they started. Right? The leader was Rida Khan. For example, they believe that the Prophet ﷺ is Hadir and Nadir. They believe that he's Hadir, he's present, one Nadir, and he has the ability to see everything that's happening. This quality is for who? It is for Allah Azza wa Jalla alone. You don't want to believe us? Look at the Qasida Burda. The famous Qasida Burda of Busayri. In there he says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ilmuhu alawhi wa qalam. That he has the knowledge of the lawh, yani the lawh in mahfud, and the qalam and the pen. And who does this belong to? This belongs to Allah azza wa jal. So never for a moment think that what Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah ta'ala wrote was fairy tales. This is a reality up until today. As you will see in the next week or so when we study, or next or the following week, when we do sihr, when we do magic. And I will show you and I will give you examples of how people up until today, they write ta'weez, not with Quran ayah, but with all these numbers, squiggly, squiggly things. When you open it, when you study it and you read, you see they call unto names of devils. If this isn't shirk akbar, then what is major shirk? So this is what we find in our society today. Right? Or they associate others with Allah in love and veneration by loving a created being as they love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and of mankind, wa minan nasi. And from mankind, may yattakhid min dunillahi andada. And from of mankind are some who take for worship others than besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They love them as they love Allah. All the belief that they are those who know the unseen. As well as Allah. This is very common among some of the deviant sects, like the Rafiliya, like I mentioned, like the extreme Sufiya, like the Baltiniya. In general, the Rafilis, like I said, they believe that the Imams have knowledge of the unseen. The Baltinis and the Sufis they have similar beliefs that they awliya, that they control. If you read the books of Tasawuf, you will see. They have this whole system of what they call kutub. That you find certain kutub in certain areas, points around the world. <coughs> you can go to YouTube, I'm sure this video is translated into English. There's a man known as, I don't know if you heard of him, Habib Jifri. Right? Habib Ali Jifri. Some of the ulama in Saudi, they say, Khabib Ali Jifri. Khabib means the. Right? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide him and all of us to that which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
So you'll find various groups of these. One of them, he says that the only yarn is covered can impregnate a lady. What's this? This is ghurafat. But this is reality. And in a society in Kaitan, you find people that follow this. They come under the tariqah of them, which is known as the Ba'alawiya tariqah. They famous. In Kaitan, yes. Very famous in Kaitan. And why are they so famous in Kaitan? You must ask yourself. Because they came with and they promoted the Ratibul Hadad. So the Ratibul Hadad took place in Kaitan. We're not going to go into the whole history of the Hadad. But where does the Hadad come from? The Hadad is the weird of the Ba'alawi Tariqah. That is a weird. What is a weird? Afwan. <coughs> <coughs> the weird is the adkar that a person makes daily. So if one wants to say that there's prophetic awrat, there's prophetic will, right? The Prophet has certain adkar we must say in the morning, certain adkar we must say in the evening. So this is a will. But they have their own specific will. And yes, to be fair, many of the awrat or many things that's in the will comes from the Qur'an or comes from the Sunnah. But the problem is, when they do it in the group, the problem is what beliefs they have attached to it. That becomes the problem and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Shirk may also take forms. Na'am. So, for example, it must be maybe particularly read on a certain day. Some of them maybe have that if you read this, there's going to be certain benefits. So, when you go through that, there's nothing from the Quran and Sunnah that says that if you're going to make the Hadad, you're going to get so much reward, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. But they have these things attached to the worship. And obviously, at the end of the Hadad, what do they do? They bring what they know as the Barzanji. Right? And the first riwayat, second riwayat, what they call in Kaitan, the famous one, fear the riwayat. Right? And in there also, there's some ghurafat. For example, they say, Ila hadaratin nabi. That is present. Cave. Where is he present? In your gathering. It's the belief of the Parawiyah, which is shirk. And in there they say that when the Prophet was born, this is just offhand, I'm just saying, when the Prophet was born, they say that Asiya and Maryam was present. Right? I'm just trying to think of the Arabic and you will click to it. Okay, I can't get to it. Inshallah, next week I can maybe see if I can get to the Arabic for you so that it just clicks more. Right, so is that understood? Right, so she also takes forms of actions. For example, sacrifice for other than Allah. Praying or prostrating to something other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then you get minor shirk. 
This includes everything that may lead to major shift. So we have a usuli principle, which is known as asaddu wasaddu darai. Anything that is going to lead to something haram or to something shirk, you're not allowed to do it. Understood? So anything that's going to lead to major shirk, this is shirku asghar, this is minor shirk. And this is usually of two types. Number one, being emotionally attached to some means which have no basis and for which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not given permission. Such as <laughs> hanging up hands. Right. After the class, I have a picture, I will show you what this means. Or turquoise beads, etc. on the grounds that they offer protection and they ward off the evil eye. And what is one of these hands? It's commonly known as the hand of Fatima. You find this a lot in the Arab countries. Go to Morocco, go to Egypt, and you see the hanging cars. I mean, I'm going to give you an example. When we studied in Medina, uh, my wife was at an institute as well, and she was studying, and a friend, Moroccan, so she went home for holiday. She came and she gifted this to my wife. And I, inshallah, I give her the benefit of the doubt that she did not, or she doesn't know what's it all about. And I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, something just doesn't gel, it doesn't seem right. <coughs> and we check it out on that, and do some research, and we find that this is, like, famous amongst the Shia, it's famous amongst the Sufi sex, to ward and to ward of harm, and to be there for protection on our day. So these things, right, is hanging up of certain things, it causes one to believe in this. The same thing, right, someone, he puts the ayatul kursi on top of his door, right? Or they wear a pendant, correct? And you ask him why, with Allah will protect. But what did the Prophet say? Is how many ahadith that says that ayatul kursi is there as a protection? No doubt, we're not denying that. But did the Prophet say, wear it on your chest? No. Did he say, hang it up on the wall? No. Because what happens when it falls off on that wall? What happens when you don't wear it? And something wrong happens to you, then what? What are you going to say? Is that thing because it's not wearing me? That's why Allah told me. Not shirk akbar, but it's a minor form of shirk that could lead to shirk akbar. And Allah wants us to stay away from both of us. So here, when we speak about hands, it says it refers to objects which is made from metal or pottery, etc. Usually blue or turquoise in color. Some people hang off the wall of evil eye. Point number two, venerating some people or things in a way that does not go so far as ascribing lordship to them, such as swearing by something other than Allah. Were it not for Allah, and so and so. So if it wasn't for Allah and Jilani. If it wasn't for Allah and Badawi. If it wasn't for Allah and Tuanguru, then this would have happened and that would have happened. So not major shit, 
But this is a minor shirk and could lead to major shirk. The scholars, they stipulated guidelines to distinguish between major shirk from minor shirk. When shirk is mentioned in the text of Sharia, these following guidelines need to be looked at. Number one, when the Prophet, peace be upon him, states clearly that this action is minor shirk, such as in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, narrated by Mahmoud ibn Labid, the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, the thing that I fear most for you is minor shirk. They asked, meaning the companions, they asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what is minor shirk? He said, showing off, for Allah will say on the day when people are recompensed, yani on the day of Qiyamah, go to those for whom you were showing off with your deeds in the world and see what reward you find with it. So this is speaking about Riyah, showing off. This is, this is this hadith, yeah? Yes, this is a hadith. Is it actually mentioned in the Arabic that it's Yes, he says Shirk Asma. Ah, so that's yes. Right? This is um, hadith is authentic and authenticized by Sheikh Albani Rahimallah Ta'ala as well in his Silsila as Sahihah. And yeah, I would like to share a point with you as well. When we did, right, so this hadith is brought by Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab in his book, Kitab al-Tawheed. Right, so, he brings this hadith in his book as well. And when we study this chapter, um, our teacher, Rahimallah ta'ala, passed on. He says that there's such a fine line of showing off. And he gave us the example. Right? Now obviously things are based on your intention. But he gave us the example of the Sunnah fast. Fasting on a Monday and a Thursday. On the 13th, the 14th and the 15th. Right? Especially those days. So he says you fasting. Say Sunnah fast. Many know that you don't fast. Many people don't know that you're fasting today. So what do you do? He says that by you taking someone and saying, you know what, come break your fast with me or I'm going to break my fast with me now. He says that that could even lead to showing off without you even knowing. Because generally sunan acts, right, is something between you and Allah and people don't need to know. And let's look at another common example. Tajjud. Right? Qiyamullah. You waking up in the middle of the night. No one needs to know. But now you tell them, you know, I will come off an hour before Fajr to my target. Why does he need to know that? And I'm not saying, and wallahi, many people, they don't do it with a thing of showing off. But you never know when Shaitan comes. Because Shaitan, he looks, right, you were in the Juma Friday, and like I mentioned, shaitan, there's two ways of coming to people. The first way is through, um, right, I said, shubuhat, right, doubts. And the second way that shaitan comes is when people are doing wrong already. He leads them to do wrong. Someone in a nightclub, that shaitan still need to lead him astray. 
No, he's already wrong. Someone's in Grand West in the gambling day. Shaitan doesn't need to go to West. They do not travel here. But you, as the person that's on the Haq, the person that's on Deen, person that makes Salah five times a day, Shaitan needs to interfere with you. Waswasa, right? He whispers things. So what is he doing? I tell that people you woke up with Tajuk. Tell them you read 10 Jews. Tell them you read 5 Jews. And now what starts to happen? Right? You can, it, we're not saying that people doing it out of Riyadh. But we are saying it can lead to Riyadh. So what's the best thing to do? Some of the Salaf. Right? If you read the stories of the Hayatul Salaf. The lives of the Salaf. Some of them would wake up for Qiyamul Layl. They would wake up so slowly and so softly that they wouldn't even want their spouse to know that they wake up. Out of fear of Riyadh. So what about still us? They still tell the whole dunya that we're doing it. I mean, i seen on Facebook. Like, people making taju, my taju, my taju, my the ummah. This is between you and Allah subhanahu One of my teachers would always tell us, have one deed. Just one deed. Exactly. That no one, not even your wife, not even your kids, no one, no one. One deed. That only you and Allah knows. And one day when you go through difficulties, one day when you go through hardship, you can call unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through that good deed that no one knows. I remember that lengthy hadith of the three men got stuck in the cave. And all those deeds no one knew about. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And wallahi this for all of us, for us as students of knowledge, for us as dua. Right? It even comes by us even more. Did you see that piece that I wrote? Did you listen to my Jumma again? When does the Riyadh in touch? That's why we always ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from this. And in today's society, subhanallah, right? I always say social media, say double-edged sword. There's khair, no doubt. But there's a lot of harm as well. How many people? And my Allah reward them. They cook a pot of food. But now they're not take the food too. Wherever to give to a poor. Now they start taking photos of the people. and uh, Why? You collected money. Yes, we believe you collected. Take a pot, the photo of the food. Take a, a photo of the potatoes who peeled. Whatever. But why put that person in it? Did you even ask him his permission? What does the hadith say? Of the seven people that will be under the shade of Allah when there's going to be no shade. And one of the categories is that person that gives sadaqah with his right hand at the left hand does not know. And in another narration, left and right is swap. Right? Left and right is swap. So, but the point is secret. No one needs to know. Right? May Allah grant us. To understand. Then the next thing also, he speaks about amulets. Ta'wiz. 
which is hung on the children, such as turquoise beads, etc., claiming that Allah will protect. And these ta'wiz itself, right? So yes, there's a difference of opinion amongst the ulama regarding Quran ayah. Walakin, however, the strongest opinion is not to have anything hung up, even if it is ayat of the Quran, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. And, and then the Sheikh he gives a few more examples, right? And we don't need to go into all of these examples, right? I will leave the page here with you, and you can go through it in the, with yourselves, and you can share the information with your family. Let's carry on. Right, so now we explain shirk, we explain what is major shirk, we explain what is minor shirk. And with regards to shirk, right, in Allah says, in Allah la yawfiru, ayyushraka bi wa yawfiru ma duna dhalika mayyasha. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Allah la yawfiru, he does not forgive shirk. In Allah la yawfiru ayyushraka bihi. وَيَوْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ But he forgives any other sin except shirk. So what does this mean? What this means, if someone persists in shirk and he dies upon the shirk, Allah will not forgive him. But someone committed zina, وَنَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ Someone drank alcohol his own life. He was a drug abuser his own life. He stole, he lied, whatever sins he did. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will still forgive him. He might be punished. But he will come out of Jahannam and he will be entered into Jannah. Except for shirk. However, if a person commits shirk and he makes tawbah in this dunya, then Allah forgives him. And where does this come from? Qul ya ibadi, say, O oh my slaves, alladhina asrafu ala anfusim, that asrafu ala anfusim, that they did so much harm to themselves, meaning they committed so much sin, Whatever it might be. But if they make tawbah, they will be forgiven. Do not lose hope in the mercy of Allah. Know that Allah, He forgives all of the sins. However, shirk, you must make tawbah while you are alive and Allah knows best. And know that shirk also, it nullifies all your actions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْ أَشْرَكُوا لَحَبِطَ عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Had they made shirk, all they did, right? So whatever, so the shirk that they made, everything else that they did, it will be null and void. Understood? So someone is involved in shirk, major shirk, whether he makes salah, whether he go to Makkah, whatever, is going to be null and void. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He also explains that Jannah is haram for someone that dies upon shirk. إِنَّهُ مَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ وَمَأْوَاهُ النَّارِ وَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنْصَارِ إِنَّهُ That whosoever may yushrik billah, ascribe partner with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, faqad, indeed, haram Allahu alayhi al-jannah. Allah has made haram upon him, jannah, paradise. Wa ma'uwahu al-nar, and his place for him is in the fire, 
of Jahannam. وَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنصَارِ And there's no helpers for the one that is oppressed. Right? And know that ibadah, worship is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَا خَلَقُتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ وَمَا خَلَقُتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ And we have not created man and jinn except that they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يَعْنِي لِيُوَحِدُونَ فِي الْعِبَادَةِ لِيُوَحِدُونَ فِي الْعِبَادَةِ That you take out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone for your ibadah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he asked Mu'ad radiyallahu anhu, هَلْ تَدْرِي حَقُّ اللَّهِ عَلَىٰ عِبَادِهِ أَوْ مُعَاد Right, and in another narration at the start of the hadith, it says that Mu'ad was riding behind the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the mode of transport. The Prophet was sitting in front of him, he was sitting at the back. Subhanallah. And he says, O oh Mu'ad, do you know the rights that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has upon his slaves? And وَمَا حَقُّ الْعِبَادِ عَلَى اللَّهِ And do you know that the rights the slaves has over Allah? قَالَ Mu'ad said, رضي الله عنه, قُلْتُ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُ عَلَى He said that I said Allah and his messenger knows best. The Prophet peace be upon him said, فَإِنَّ حَقَّ اللَّهِ عَلَى عِبَادِ the rights that Allah has on his slaves. That we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we don't ascribe partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in anything. And the rights that the slaves has over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that Allah does not punish us Right? Allah does not punish us of those that do not ascribe partners with him. Right? Beautiful hadith. Ponder over this hadith. Right? So whomsoever. So the author he now says. Um, of what? The author he says. وَمِنْهُ أَذْلَبْحُ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ كَمَنْ يَذْبَحُ لِلْجِنْ أَوْ قَبْرِ and ذَبْ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ Slaughtering for other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يعني something common. And some people they even attach us to Islam. And what does Allah say about slaughtering? قُلْ إِنَّ صَلَاتِ وَنُسُكِ وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Say O Muhammad that indeed my salah وَنُسُكِ and my sacrifice Right? My slaughtering. وَمَحْيَايَ مَا الْلَيْفِ وَمَمَاتِ And my death. إِلِّلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ It is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this proves that slaughtering is part of ibadah. And our slaughtering is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So certain groups, certain sects, certain deviants, they slaughter for other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only has urs, the only has birthday, let's slaughter for him. Or even these magicians that we're going to come when we do magic. They'll tell someone something's wrong for you. Slaughter black chickens, slaughter this in the name of the wali, etc. Or they slaughter for the cover. For that person, that pious person in the grave, 
when it's his birthday, the day he died, somebody sex, they might slaughter for them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from this. And this brings us to the end of the first point which is shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second point that we will start next week, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, is, which is also important, just need to read the topic heading for us, man ja'ala baynahu wa baynallahi wasa'it, that whosoever makes between himself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a mediator, yada'uhum, and he makes dua to him, wa yas'aluhumu shafa'ah, and he asks him for shafa'ah, wa yatawakkalu alayhim, and he puts his trust in him, this consensus that this person has disbelieved and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide and protect us we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our shortcomings subhanakallah wa bihamdik ashadu wa la ilaha illa astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk